You know, I, I just love this time of year, and I know, you know, probably that's, I'm echoing what everybody, you know, feels concerning Christmas, and, and, and for a lot of different reasons, everybody, you know, has this as a very special time of year, uh, but, you know, nobody can deny that, you know, our whole nation is literally transformed, you know, for, for the whole month of December. And, and all during this month, you, you hear people talking about, you know, having Christmas spirit or, you know, the spirit of Christmas. And that phrase, the spirit of Christmas or Christmas spirit, it, it's come to mean a lot of things today. You know, for some, it's all about, you know, decorating our homes and the lights and sending out the Christmas cards, and, and that's having Christmas spirit, you know, for others, it, this is a time of giving, of not, you know, looking towards ourselves, of, of kinding, kind of overcoming our selfishness and, and becoming benevolent to those around us. For some, it's holiday shopping. That's the Christmas spirit, you know, getting on there, shopping online, and, you know, Black Friday, all those sorts of things. The spirit of Christmas is often a time when families come together and we put aside you know, some squabbling, maybe infighting that they've had, and, you know, for one day they come together and they have this, this wonderful meal together. Well, make no mistake, there is a spirit of Christmas. But unfortunately, it has become so diluted today that it's easy to, to lose the message, and that's why I'm so thankful for our worship service that we just had and the focus, all of the songs on, on the true meaning of Christmas. So what I want to do this morning, um, I want to remind us, I want to talk to us about what the real spirit of Christmas is. And I kind of want to sneak up on it here, you know, um, I, I want to talk about, and, and here I'm looking for a little bit of interaction here. Um, this whole month, we, the most common greeting that we have of greeting people and also when we say goodbye to people, what do we, what do we say to them? We say what? We say Merry Christmas, don't we? And, you know, we're saying Mary, you know, is that word happy, you know, having a joyful Christmas. Is that what we're kind of wishing people? And that's how we greet them, and that's how we, you know, often we leave. We say Merry Christmas to people. But we do, do we really understand what it means when we're wishing, wishing someone Merry Christmas? You know, that word Christmas, it, it's, it's kind of two words that are put together. First, it's the word Christ, obviously, um, but do we remember that this is not, this proclamation of saying Christmas, of using Christ's name here, um, it's not literally his name like Jesus is. Christ is not his last name. I've mentioned this to you before. Christ is the title. It's a, it's a fulfillment of something that was prophesied. It is his title. It means he is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He is the prophesied Messiah that they had been looking for. In Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so when we refer to Jesus as Christ, we're referring to a title of fulfillment of something that, that the prophets pointed to. He is the anointed one. He is the Son of God. And then we add that, that three letters, that M-A-S, the mass. And that's a Latin word, and, and, and means mass, and it means a service of remembrance. Now, most often we might think about and associate it with, you know, Catholicism, they go to have their mass. 
They go to Mass. And, you know, it's, it's a service of remembrance, and that's what it means. So when you're saying Christmas, Christ Mass, it is a service of remembrance of the Anointed One coming, the Living One, the, the Son of God coming to this earth. So the term Christmas is not a remembrance necessarily of a, the person, but of his title, of his fulfillment, of his actions. It's a remembrance of the coming of the anointed one, specifically a celebrating of how it all started. You know, in the nativity, you know, the birth of Christ, the anointed one. And so Christmas is more than just remembering you know, a person born, Jesus, but it's about remembering the meaning of that birth, why he was born, what his birth meant, how his birth would change the world, and hopefully how his birth would change your life forever. And you can, you can see this spirit of Christmas, you can see it in the lives of everybody who is associated with the birth of Christ. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want, to, I want you to go to your Bibles, if you've got your Bible, hopefully you do. I, I want you, we're going to go, be most of the time in the first two chapters of Luke. And we're going, to, we're going to go ahead and we're going to put the verses up here for you as well. But you might want to look at uh, them along the way. I want to look at the people who were at the birth of Christ. We're at the birth of, there to celebrate what it meant of the anointed one coming down to this earth. And I want to start... Um, in chapter 1, Luke 1, verse 41, we're introduced to a woman named Elizabeth. We know that Elizabeth is the cousin of Mary, who is going to be the mother of Jesus. Um, she is six months pregnant at this point. She's pregnant with John the Baptist, ultimately. That, that's who her son is going to be. He is the forerunner of the Messiah. He is the one that goes before and prepares the way to tell people that the Messiah has come the Messiah is here. Mary, we're also introduced here. Mary is part of these verses. She is three months pregnant by this time with, with Jesus. And you come down to verse 39, and it says this. Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and she cried out in a loud voice, and she said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And, not, and how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. I mean, you read that whole portion of the script, that whole interaction, and Elizabeth, it's all filled with the voice of praise, isn't it? I mean, praising, you know, that the, the mother of, the, of, of our Savior would come to her. It says the baby in her womb even rejoices. She's, she's filled with the Holy Spirit. Three times she makes the proclamation, blessed, blessed, blessed. Because she saw this event for what it was. She saw the coming of this birth for what it was. Not, oh, this is a great birth. It's really nice that you're having a child. This is exciting. She saw it as something more. It was the Christ 
It was the Messiah. It was the anointed one. God, all that he had been pointing to in all of history had come to a peak, and now it was happening. And, and the result of it was the tremendous blessing of and pouring out. Her husband, his name is Zechariah. We know that he is a priest. When his son, who again is going to become John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, when his son is born, it says in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 67, 68, is that in his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. Zechariah wasn't talking about his son that was just born. He knew, the angel had told him what his son was going to be, that he was going to be the forerunner of the Christ, the forerunner of the anointed one, the forerunner of the Savior. This wasn't going to happen through his son, but the one that his son would point to. And his, it said he was just filled with joy and the word blessed again. He blessed God. He praises the focus becomes on God when he suddenly realized, you know, all of these events and, and what it was going to mean to his life. Next, we come to the angels. You know, they are sent to announce Christ's birth, to announce Jesus' birth to the shepherds. In Luke 2, it says, But the angel said to them, speaking to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the anointed one, the Messiah has been born. They're talking about the event, not the person, the event that he, or, 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 or the fulfillment that he is going to play in their lives. That's what he's announcing to them. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And it says, then suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. This event, it's filled with good news, great joy, glory to God, you know, peace among men. It speaks about a Savior, speaks about a Christ. This is the true spirit of Christmas. When people came and people understood what this nativity meant, what this birth meant to their lives, they are just filled with worship. They're filled with, with praise. That's how they knew. That's how you know they had the spirit of Christmas because they are filled with, they are God-focused. The angels, they proclaimed it. Elizabeth, Zechariah, through John the Baptist, they were overwhelmed with it. I mean, they knew what this event meant and then what it, it meant to their lives. The shepherds, you know, they, the angels told them what had happened, told them to go and see. And so the shepherds, they believed the angels and they went and saw where this baby was, where the Christ was, where their Messiah was. And what they saw profoundly impacted them. It says in Luke 2.20, it says the shepherds went back after seeing the Christ. They went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as, as had been told them. 
I mean, do we, do we catch the pattern here? Do we catch the focus of those who were at the very first Christmas observance of the, the, uh, uh, of the Messiah coming to this earth? They were all filled with worship and wonder. You know, it wasn't about a meal. It wasn't about parties. It wasn't about fabricating goodwill to all men. You know, those things, and, and so much that encompasses our Christmases, quite honestly, it's about ourselves, isn't it? That's why a lot of people get very depressed during this time. And we don't have family coming. Or we didn't get a gift that we wanted. Or, you know, it's just not happening for us this year. Because it's, it's us. But the true spirit of Christmas was the focus on the Christ child and what it would mean that this child came to earth, what it would mean to you personally that there was one who was anointed of God who is ordained to be your savior, to give his life for you, to die for your sins so you could be united with God and spend an eternity in heaven. I mean, just the, the, the wonder of that. You know, if you kind of go on in the story, the, the true spirit of Christmas, it didn't disappear days after Christ. I mean, you know, a week after, you know, a week from Wednesday, you know, we're going to be on to other things, returning gifts, taking down Christmas decorations possibly, you know, getting rid of the tree, all those things. You know, we're, we're turning the page on it. But they didn't turn the page on this birth and this child. Matter of fact, 40 days after Christ's birth, it says in Luke 2.22, it says, And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And we know that, the, you know, according to the law of Moses, you know, 40 days after a male child was born, those days of purification for Mary were completed. And so now there they are. They're going to the temple. They're going to pretty much commit Jesus. Their firstborn child, they're, they're, they're committing Jesus unto the Lord. And, you know, um, you know, as they come to do that, they meet a man. And this man's name is Simeon. Let me read about Simeon as he encounters this child. This is 40 days after the celebration of his birth. Okay? It says, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Isn't that interesting? The Lord's Christ. Before he had seen the anointed one, the Son of God, to see his Savior. It says in verse 27, And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus and to carry out for him the customs of the law, then he took him into his arms and he blessed God and said, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, <coughs> a light of the revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people Israel. In other words, Simeon said, Lord, I can die now. I have seen. I have seen my Savior. I have seen my hope. I have seen the revelation. I have seen the glory of God come down. That was enough for him. And there it was again, that true spirit of Christmas. It says he blessed. He gave glory to God. He talked about peace. He talks about a joy. 
He didn't talk about himself. It wasn't about him. When he truly had come to the place of the spirit of Christmas, it says he just poured himself out to God. And folks, that's how you know. That's how you know as a Christian that you've truly, you know, remembered Christmas. You know, you've had that mass, that, that time of remembrance of the Christ who has come to you and given his life for you. Because your result of really coming into contact with that will be to turn your eyes to God in praise, in thanksgiving. It's not, you know, he didn't suddenly see Jesus and say, oh, I've got to get my Christmas cards together, you know. I've got to get my family picture together. I've got to start getting some gifts to send. We've got to plan the party. That wasn't what it was all about for him. Matter of fact, in the same encounter in the temple, there was uh, an elderly woman named Anna. In verse 36, we're told that she's a prophetess. And it comes down to verse 38, and it says, At that very moment she came up, and she began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. She understood this child. She understood what it meant that this child was here. The redemption, forgiveness, the Messiah was here, and her heart was just overflowing of telling other people about this truth. Now, that's 40 days after his birth. Two years after the birth of Christ, God sends wise men in pursuit of the Christ child. These wise men are traveling. We know they're following a star, being led miraculously by God. And, and they're led to Jerusalem. Now, that's a, an obvious place to go. Because in Jerusalem are all the religious leaders, all the, the scribes and the Pharisees, the experts in the law. And so these wise men come, and it says in Matthew chapter 2, it says, They came and they said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east... And we have come to worship him. So when they came to the child, what did they come to do? They came to worship him. Now it's kind of interesting. Remember, they asked the question, where is he? And, and they went to the religious leaders of Jerusalem. You know, the scribes, the Pharisees, the high priests. He goes to those and he asks them, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Remember the answer that they gave? They quote an Old Testament prophecy from Micah 5, chapter 2. And it says this, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will, be shepherd, who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, I thought this was interesting here, and I really noticed something. It was great. They had the right answer. You know, they knew what, you know, where the Messiah was supposed to be born. That's great. But did they ever notice something here? They had no personal connection to this event. And I wonder how many times these religious leaders had stood before the people and, and taught a message on Micah 5, chapter 2, and told them that one day their Messiah would come, one day the anointed one would come, the Christ would come, and it would be born in Bethlehem. How many times did they preach the message, they talked about it, but when the time came, they had no personal connection to it. They had no worship. They had no praise. I mean, Bethlehem is, is five miles away from Jerusalem. None of them said, well, I went and saw. This is where it's at. It's at this house here. 
They could just say, they could just regurgitate you know, information because they had no actual personal connection to it. I mean, even, even the evil King Herod, remember upon hearing of the, his, the possibility that Israel's anointed one was born, remember what he said in Matthew 2, 8? It said he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I may, too, come and worship him. Now, we know that Herod was being deceptive here. He just wanted to find out where the child was so he could have the child put to death. But folks, at least he acknowledged what the correct spirit would be to this news that the Christ had come. At least he knew what they should do. They should worship. And, and, and it didn't seem that the religious leaders, again, they, 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 it was a second party type of, of connection that they had. You know, now I, I, I've saved one last person who had a connection with Christ's birth here. I've saved it for last. Um, she, above all others, would have her life intimately touched by the reality of the Christ's birth. And, you know, uh, Rebecca sang about it just a little bit ago, Mary. Mary, did you know that when you kiss this child, you kiss the face of God? The true meaning of what it was, that, that the birth that she was about to give in Luke chapter 1, verse 47, and then verse 49, here's what Mary says. She says, And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. This is the real spirit of Christmas. This, this overwhelming awareness of what it means that Jesus Christ came to this earth, that Jesus Christ lived among men, that Jesus Christ gave his life and he died for your sins, that he is the anointed one, that God became man, that he is the savior, he is the redeemer. You know, he is the holy one, he is anointed, he is God almighty, he is the everlasting father, he is the prince of peace. And when people really understood this, you know, they, they, they turned their attention to God and they worshiped and they thanked and they blessed God. It's not a third party experience like the priests and Herod have. Well, we heard that this is, you know, what has happened here. It was a personal, very personal to everybody who understood what Christmas is, what the observance of the anointed one is. It's kind of interesting, while I was uh, preparing this message this past week, I went on Facebook, and, and I have a niece um, who's not a Christian. And, and she posted something on Facebook, and, and it said, I'm just not feeling the spirit of Christmas this year. <laughs> I'm like, here we go, Lord, okay, what is it? And I'm looking at the responses that gave to her. And the responses were, why didn't you come over and we'll cook some cookies together. You know, that'll get you the spirit of Christmas. Or, you know, why don't you go holiday shopping? Or, or they suggested, why don't you get in your car and, and drive around and look at the light displays? Well, just in case you're wondering, um, I did have a chance. I'm a very slow typer, but I did type to her 
what the true spirit of Christmas is. And I talked to her about a savior. And I told her about anointed one. But I want to I ask you today, I want to challenge you today. You know, have you had, you know, this season, have you had that encounter with that understanding of my word, God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son, that he came here to die for you, he demonstrated his love for you in Christ coming to this earth, living and dying for your sins. And this is the beginning, this is the celebration of, of the time that this all started, when God you know, began these things all in motion. And, and you will know, you will know if you have truly observed Christmas because your heart's going to be overflowing in praise and thanksgiving. And I want to just challenge you today. If, if, if you haven't had that, you say, well, what can I do about it? You know, we can't fabricate it. I, don't, I want to challenge you. You know, you've got a few days here. Block out a chunk of time. You know, get apart from everybody. Take God's word. You know, read in the gospel. Read in, in the beginning of Luke. The beginning of Matthew. The beginning of, of John, what it says. The beginning of Mark. You know, it's going to be about, you know, eight chapters, you know, totally that talk about these events. Read and just pray. Meditate on what it means to you personally. Not what Christmas is you know, universally to all of us, but what does it mean to you that the Messiah has come, the anointed one has come, and he has come for you. He has come for me to die for my sins. Don't experience a second hand. You know, you know don't take the, the placebos that the world offers us that are so empty. Come to the Savior. Observe truly what Christmas is, a service of remembrance of the Messiah coming. As our worship team comes, let's pray. Father God, you know, we bow our hearts here today. And Lord, I confess to you, I can get caught up as much as the next person in what's going on around me. And get caught up in all of the, the wrapping paper and the lights. And it's easy, Father, to, for you to be crowded out. God, forgive me for this. Lord, I want to thank you for dying for my sins. I want to thank you for caring enough to step out of heaven, to step into mankind for me. And I pray over these next days that you will personalize that in such a way within you know, those who hear this message. Father, if there's somebody here who... Lord, they have not yet come to you as, and asked to be forgiven of their sins, to be a child of yours. God, that, that just the reminder of this will, will draw them to their knees, Father. To give you their sin, to be forgiven, to be cleansed. That, God, this would be their second birth, just like it was your first birth in this earth. And I would just thank you and praise you for that, Lord. You are truly a worthy God above all else around us. And we worship in the